All right, man. Thank you, uh, thank you, Will Band. Man, what an incredible time of worship! Man, we are we are finishing up our life series this week. Uh, man, we are we've been through uh, so much. Talked about kind of a theology of life, uh, theology of the sanctity of life, and why God values that. Uh, we talked last week specifically about adoption, that it's a part of Scripture's story, but it's a part of our story. If we are a child of God, we have been adopted into his family. We know salvation because of a very real adoption that Christ has adopted us uh, as sons, right, and daughters. And so um, today we kind of, again, get to provide some handlebars for you of ways that, that you can get involved. Tim, Tim Chris is here, man. I'm excited about this interview for you, for them to hear what God has laid on your heart to share a little bit later. But, uh, but man, tell, tell the folks a little bit about yourself kind of as we, as we move into our interview, I guess, portion of, of today. Sounds very official. Interview. Uh, so, no, my name is Tim Chris. I'm with Lifeline Children's Services, and um, my role with Lifeline is manager of church partnerships. And so, I get to travel all over the state and uh, get to talk with churches about who we are, what we do, how we can help resource you as the church for um, ministry to the vulnerable, vulnerable children, vulnerable families, uh, with resources that we have, which include adoption, foster care, all uh, all different ways to be involved in that. Um, Married uh, to my amazing wife, Deanna, for, um, I think we're six weeks away from celebrating 18 years of marriage. I have three kids, 20, I did this earlier, now I forget the math, 28, 22, and 11. Uh, There it is. Um, So uh, thankful for that. And we currently also are foster parents to two little girls, nine and 10. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, our, our church is aware of a ministry, children's, uh, the Women's Resource Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is here similar to a Save a Life. You may yep. be a little more, uh, uh, have a little bit, uh, a name that's a little more out there. But the, uh, the Women's Resource Center, ladies came and we've talked through uh, kind of how they help families make those beginning of life decisions, right? Yeah. What are we going to do? Giving them information, support, uh, those kind of things. What I, I'm really excited about this is I, I see what you guys do at Lifeline is, is really hand in glove. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a passing of, a, of the torch, so to speak, yeah. from organizations like that. And of course, now you've shared some of that, uh, you know, that you guys provide a little bit of that as well. But then f- beyond that, from that, you know, as life continues, man, there is continual hurdles in this in this process now this child is life has been chosen now what do we how do we support this child how do we support these families churches that are helping to do this you know how do we do that from there so explain a little bit uh about some of what lifeline does uh the families you support those those kind of things yeah so we actually began in 1981 as a as a pregnancy center uh, and in providing life-giving options for moms and, and dads found in unexpected pregnancies. Um, and so we're celebrating 41 years of, of ministry this year. Um, and really from there, we, we come alongside ministries like your, your resource center here locally, and we want to help provide additional counseling to these moms and dads that find themselves in this situation. So 
um, we want to come alongside this because, because one of the options that's least, or the option that's least talked about is adoption because we don't really understand it. We don't talk about it. So we want to help educate these centers on that, but also come alongside them and say, hey, we want to help you coach this mom and this dad. Pray, pray that the dad is involved in the life of this child in some way. Um, we want to help coach them as well, coming alongside you to life-giving options, but also to know that, that really the, the purpose is we're not coming alongside you, mom and or dad, for the sake of just your baby. We don't want your baby. We want you as well. You are an image bearer of the Lord, as is your child. And so we want to make sure that that's understood, that that's known. Um, and as we started in, in that role 41 years ago, we noticed we're counseling life-giving options. And we said there's, there's really nowhere locally for if a mom and a dad choose um, life for their child, but they can't parent, what do they do? So we began a domestic adoption program, and then um, now they have life-giving options to make an adoption plan for their child or to parent their child. And even if they parent their child, we're going to be right there with you um, through that. We want to help disciple you through that process. And then an international adoption came through. Our first program was China, um, and now we have 18 active programs to this day, um, and we have some that, we are, that are inactive uh, for various reasons, but... Um, so we, we do pregnancy counseling, we do uh, domestic adoption, international adoption. We have education and counseling services available to families who are adopting or have adopted, who, families who are involved in foster care, kids uh, who are involved in foster care or have been adopted as well. Um, global orphan care, where we come alongside organizations and, and ministries that are doing, doing this ministry to vulnerable children in their own backyard, in their own cultural context. And we want to help resource them and connect them to um, domestic churches here uh, in the U.S. Uh, for partnership. And then also we, um, we, we have a, a bucket of ministry that we call family restoration, which is where we would put foster care and foster care related ministries for the church to be able to reach your own local community. Um, and last year we facilitated over 300 adoptions. Uh, praise the Lord for that and, and are serving a thousand churches in partnership in some way or another over the last five years. Man, that's awesome. That's good. So what we're wanting to do, man, is we want to open the church's eyes. Now, this is yeah. Church Little C, this congregation, right. but Church Big C, about the mission field that yeah. foster and adoptive care is. I mean, that's, that's a primary thrust of what we're doing in this series. Right. Uh, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. how, how have you seen that play out in the position that, that you're in? And now, I mean, goodness, when we talk about Roe versus Wade, I mean, the reversal of this is only going to increase yeah. whatever numbers exist right now today. Right. I mean, that, that number is skyrocketing for the future. But yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Totally. So to, to, to give you a perspective on um, a lot of harvest and a little laborers, in our state, almost 6,000 kids exist in the foster care system with only 1,989 licensed foster homes. But here in Limestone County, 115 kids are in the foster care system. 45 licensed foster homes. 48 families that are deemed family preservation cases, meaning they haven't yet been uh, torn apart by the foster care system, the kids are still at home and there are preventative measures in place, but at any time they could be. And on average, your family is two kids, right? So we put that and that math into place. There's another hundred kids that could be in the system like that right here at home. 115 kids, 45 homes, plus the 48 families. 
In Limestone County, we have 117 churches. So approximately one third of those churches, if we go by the numbers, are represented by a licensed foster family. Just in this county. Wow. So, man, obviously there there is action needed from the church. Action needed from individuals that bear the name of Christ and, and action needed from, from churches to, to provide that support and foster these types of conversations for mm-hmm. sure. So this series we've been going through is entitled Life, right? It's focusing on the incredible value that God places on life, but it's not just that because we get our marching orders from God's word, from Amen. scripture, right? Yeah. The idea of marching orders is now there's action to be taken right. by the church, right? Where, where do you see the church missing it in that regard, right? In, in taking action and being part of that solution. Yeah, I think the, main, the big thing um, that the church has missed over the last several years is we have focused so much on being anti-abortion that we forgot to be pro-life. That we see. Oh, hold up. I, we, I did this last time. You do, you, do you remember? Just you did. Make, because if you don't hear anything, hear that. That really frames this whole conversation. Say it, say it again. Yeah, so we as the church have been so busy worrying about being anti abortion that we've forgotten to be pro life. Because life begins at conception. It doesn't end at birth. So good. Right? So, so as the church, our worry, we have prayed for generations before us for 50 years, have prayed for an end to Roe v. Wade. Just as the Israelites, right, that did the work, but generations would die off before they could see the promised land, guess where we are? We're in the fruit of the labor of generations before us. So, This generation, the church that's sitting here right now and the church that's to come, we have our marching orders. And we're to be pro-life, meaning what are we gonna do? How are we going to respond? How is the the witness of the church and the witness of Jesus through the church going to live on now that Roe v. Wade has ended and the numbers we just talked about are going to inflate? Are we going to respond in a way that praises the Lord or that suppresses the Lord? Are we going to be seen as obedient in love to, the, to not just the kids that now enter the system or the kids that now uh, take that 153 million global orphans and take that number up to 160 to 170, 200 million, whatever that may be. But are we going to also love those mamas and those daddies that have said, I need to make an adoption plan for my child or previously... I made a termination of life plan for my child. They still need the gospel. They still need the church to rally around them. And you, yeah, you you know, when I think about this, I think about, I think about the immediate knee jerk reaction that I see when I see people protesting something that I have prayed for for a long time. Right. My immediate thought is anger. My immediate thought is almost a hatred. These are. I am against these people. This is, this is the problem. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about life, yeah, it's, life. it's all inclusive. So that means the person that is picketing today in front of places like Save a Life Centers, in front of the White House, in front of the legislature of the, of the government for the United States, mm-hmm. those people 
are, we are to be just as pro-life for them as we are anybody, right? And so God has called us not to answer with hatred. Hatred is a response from the world. How, how else would we expect the world to, to react? They get their, their cues from the world, right? And they have a worldly worldview, but to respond with a different lens. It, it is the church's responsibility. We don't have the right to respond in anger and hatred. Because ours is a theme, ours is a story that's different than that. Yeah. And so I think about the, la- the ladies, the men that are picketing right now. Mm. God has called us to not just respond to what is latent, what is obvious, but responded to that as well. Man, what an yeah. incredible mission yeah. field. And we don't, we're told in the word, we don't wrestle against flesh and bone. Yeah. Gosh, that is... We that wrestle exactly against the right. principalities that are of darkness. That's exactly right. And, and we need to see these people as image bearers of the Lord, not as the antagonists. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about how the church has become guilty of being known, notorious, mm. right, for the stones that we are throwing, yeah. right? Yeah. Almost the Pharisees bringing the, the woman what? caught in adultery to Absolutely. Jesus. Hey, here's the woman. What do we do? Well, Jesus is clear. Right, We know how he responded to that situation. And so rather than being what we're against, we're not known. The problem with this is people see the church as bigots and, and, yeah. and hypocrites because we are all about telling them what they've done wrong. Yeah. We're not part of the solution. We're not willing to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty in this thing. So we become the voice in the ivory tower that tells everyone else how they need to live their life without giving them real support that, that they're needed. And what I love about Lifeline is y'all are providing some of those solutions. Yeah. Right? So what would you tell our church and anybody that may be listening to this today or in the future, how do we as the church become part of that solution? Well, big thing is we've got to learn to get uncomfortable. Um, ministry is uncomfortable if, if we're to go out and be a part of the solution, then we have to take action. We can't just sit back in our lazy boy and kick our feet up and think, well, Alan will take care of it. You'll take care of it. Someone else will take care of it. Jesus calls us, collective and individually, to take care of it. To be the action plan, as he just talked about, right? Ministry, ministering the gospel to those around us. And so we've got to get out of our comfort zones. We've got to get, we've got to make Jesus our comfort zone and, um, and really get our hands dirty. We got to, we've got to not just roll up the sleeves. I think we got to tear them off and we've got to get our hands in the dirt and we've got to get out there and we've got to say, look, this person who's different than me, this person who looks different, sounds different, smells different, has done different things than I have or sinners. Difference is the grace of Christ has entered my life and not yours, so let me tell you about it, right? We've got to get busy in doing that. And, 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 and really, I think, ditching the facade of cultural Christianity, that's not living a life glorifying to Christ. When we say on the surface, I love Jesus, but when we walk through those doors headed out, we don't look like it. We look like the world that we're entering instead of the Savior that saved us and called us from the world. Yeah. Called us into it. Yeah, that's right. But not of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing that we've whiffed on, if you will, is just saying we pay people to do this. Yeah. And, and so our, our comfort level has risen beyond um, that of our love for our Savior. 
And I think the danger is, man, we if if that if inactivity, right, yeah. is our response to this thing that I, so he says Pray for talk going back to the the laborers are few, right? Yeah. What does he immediately say? Pray for the workers, pray for workers, right? Pray for them, and and so we have seen the result of prayer. I believe that. I Absolutely. believe that to be so that there is not federally protected yeah. right for abortion. Right now, yeah. this is in the hands of the state, and the, the states mm-hmm. will decide. I, I believe that is that is God's moving and working and answer to prayer, but with prayer comes activity. Yeah. Right. And so if we if we choose to be inactive, right, if we choose to do nothing with what we have seen God do through prayer, man, that inactivity speaks volumes and it's only going to continue. You can hear. Well, we knew this would happen. We knew that this is all the things that we shouldn't do. But now we've done it. Now it's happened. And now look at the problem that is on our hands. The children that are displaced. Yeah. You know, all of the, the issues because it's someone else's problem. This is not a problem right. for someone else. It's not a problem for the federal government. Right. It's not a problem for professionals. It's a problem for the church. Yeah. And the world's looking at the church. Yeah. How is the church going to respond? You got what you want. That's what we're going to hear, right? Oh you got what you want. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And so as, as the Lord has called us to this and is telling us in his word, this is what we're to do. And now he has said, Again, I don't think it's by coincidence that he has risen up in this, for this generation of the church to say, okay, we have, we have abolished Roe v. Wade. Now, church, how do we respond to that? What do we do with it? Because ministry is a verb. It's not an adjective. It doesn't describe something. It's, it's, it's what we do. And so to go with that, to go with 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 the Lord's calling and the Lord's blessing and the Lord taking his action to overturn Roe v. Wade now and 26 states are going to have stricter abortion laws. Last I checked, 26 is a majority in the 50. Praise God for that. But now we have to rise up and say, okay, we we did get what we wanted. Now are we really pro-life or were we just anti-abortion? Man. Well, look, I think it's obvious that you and I both could talk about this for a long period of time. Um, and, uh, man, I, I, we want to hear from God's word, man. Yeah. And I know God's laid an incredible word on your heart to share with us from James 1. And, mm-hmm. and so, man, I, let's transition to that time and share sure. what God, God's heart is on this. I will say, if you guys have any questions specific uh, for Tim, man, he's going to be here. He's going to be around uh, after service, man. Feel free to take him to the side, ask him whatever questions that you may have. I mean, he's a great resource. Uh, we're going to continue to lean on them. There's some things that will be unfolding uh, in the next coming weeks uh, that he will be helping and Lifeline will be helping us through. So uh, so make sure that you take the opportunity to do that. But man, let's go to the Lord in prayer as yeah, we devote this time. Father God, we just thank you for your word. God, it's living and active. And so Lord, we are in a familiar text, but God, I pray that you would make it wholly unfamiliar to us. I pray that you would speak to us, minister to us, to our hearts. Lord, as we look at your word afresh and anew, God, I pray that you would call us to respond. I pray that we would not hinder your spirit that desires to speak through your word to our hearts. 
Father, I pray that you'd hide my brother behind the cross, and I pray that what he would communicate would be your words for your people, Lord, to bring ultimate glory to you. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, again, thanks, Alan. Uh, appreciate you. I've loved getting to, getting to know Alan uh, over the last couple of months as well and, and the love that he has for you and the love he has for Jesus. And so I uh, just do want to take a few minutes as we look at God's word. We'll be in a, as he said, a familiar passage, but I do hope that it becomes uh, familiar in a new light for you today. We'll be in James chapter one. If you have a copy of God's word, I hope you brought one with you. Um, if, if you have a print copy, wonderful. If you have a digital copy, that's good too. Uh, if you don't have any copy, we'll put it on the screen for you. So you'll have one regardless, right? So uh, as we do this, I do want to ask you to join me as you, to stand in honor of God's perfect and holy word as we read this aloud. Um, I think there is, uh, there is honor uh, to the Lord as we stand together um, to read this word aloud, starting in verse 22 of James chapter one, and we'll read through verse 27. So join me in this this morning, and it is on the screen for you to see. James 1, tells us this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's a relig he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans, and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Church, this is the holy word of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for your church, your bride that is here today. God, I pray that as, as we've already discussed and as we look just a little bit deeper, Lord, that you would have an impact in your kingdom today that, that maybe no one expected coming in today. May it be for your glory that we read your word, that we expose your word, that we are gathered here and that, that Lord, as you call us into ministry, oh God, may we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Would you be seated this morning? When we see this word, I like to, I like to take the text that typically is quoted about caring for the vulnerable, and I like to zoom out a little bit. I like to pan out and, and let us see just what context the Lord has this passage resting in. And I think it's important for us to look at context because if we don't look at context, we can make a single verse say what we want a single verse to say, and therefore we can put words in God's mouth. I don't want to do that today. I'd like for us to see God's word from God's mouth and see just what he has as, as he's calling the church into action. When we, when we read this word, what does it say? When we read his word, what does he say to us? And when we read the word, when we hear the word, etc., we're to be changed by the word. 
We'll be changed by the Lord, the, the spirit of the Lord who lives within us as believers in Christ. As followers of Jesus, we are to no longer be the same as we read the word. But when we, when we read this, he says, sometimes it has no lasting impact. Sometimes we appear to be deceived, the word tells us, right here in verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. If we hear the word, but we don't listen or heed the word, we're like someone who just looked at ourselves in the mirror and we studied it, maybe we primped up real good. And we walk away and we forget immediately what we just saw. We couldn't pick ourselves out of a one-person lineup. And that's a tough place to be. We're deceiving ourselves. We're being deceived by not grasping onto this word. Our recollection becomes dim. Our religion becomes false and ritualistic. We become fools and deceived. And our proper response when reading this word is not to be deceived, but is to be in repentance and faith and obedience. Our, our response to this word, this letter of God, is not to be immediate amnesia. I heard asked one time, what did you do with the last sermon you heard? Or to rephrase it here, what did you do with the last time you were active in the word, whether hearing it? Whether reading it, studying it. God wants us to be transformed by his word. It's one reason he's given it to us. We can't know him. We can't know what to do. We can't know this Christ that we claim if we don't get to know him and his qualities, his characteristics, his, his views, his, huh, his way for us. As you're jumping into VBS this week, I just saw this in between services, the main verse outside in the hallway. Did anybody read it when you were coming in? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How fitting is that? To be talking today about caring for image bearers of the Lord, to know that in order to do this word, we have to, to, to cherish this word, which means we hold it in high value. We have to receive what the word tells us, and then we have to do the word. And let me, let me tell you, to, to, know is, to know this word, to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, is to do something about all of the others around us that are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. It's not enough to celebrate the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Celebration is good. But what are we going to do now that we've celebrated, do we just sit around with a spiritual hangover? Or do we step into the starting lineup, ready to rock and roll? Getting ready to go, getting ready for action, and moving into this action. We have to place value on the word. We have to see this word. We have to be doers of this word and not forgetting what we look like. Because we look like the image of God. 
The babies in the womb look like the image of God. The mamas carrying those babies, the mamas that have aborted, the mamas that are struggling look like the image of God. The daddies who have said, go get an abortion are in the image of God. For too long, the church has looked at those women and those unplanned or unexpected pregnancies that are, maybe they're pregnant out of wedlock, maybe they're pregnant in one way or another, or maybe they've done drugs while they're, on, while they're pregnant. And what we have done is we have stiff-armed them and told them to go away. You filthy, wretched sinner, go away. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if we're to be doers of the word who are caring for the vulnerable, we will, we will go to them and instead of pushing one arm, getting them out of our way, we'll take that arm and we'll bring them in and we'll take the other arm and we will fully embrace them and we will say, hey, we love you because God loves you. We care for you because he cares for you. We will, we will fight for them and we will fight with them. The blessings of doing the word are that blessing of bringing glory to the Lord in dark, dark spaces. It's shining the light of God in areas where at one time we thought there would be no light. See, for example, Roe v. Wade. See, for example, Planned Parenthood. Two out of the three Planned Parenthoods in this state as of Friday, no longer perform abortions. Did this thing cut off? (laughs) Two out of three abortion clinics by Planned Parenthood in this state no longer perform abortions. Come on. Now, where are we? How does that impact us? It impacts us in our home. It impacts us in our church. It impacts us in our daily lives. It impacts us in our comfort zones and in our lazy boys. It impacts us because adoption is not supposed to be a plan B. It's supposed to be a plan A because we're not a plan B for the father when he adopted us, as Alan mentioned earlier. We're we're called to be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) That's right. Testify. We had electronic testifying in the first service. Out of the mouth of babes in the second. I'm loving this. This is good. Don't silence me. Like that's that is the sound that our churches need to hear. And let me tell you, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, our churches better be hearing more of that sound. Because we're stepping in and we're caring for those children now that are being born. We are called to visit. We're called to shepherd these orphans and these widows. He, see, what God does is he says, you're to care for life. How much of life? From the child to the elderly and everything in between. He, he covers the entire age spectrum. We're called to visit them. We're called to care for them. We're called to meet, meet their needs physically and meet their needs spiritually. We're called to disciple them is what he's getting at here. And we're to care for those who can't care for themselves. We're to care for those who would not reciprocate, not so that we can get something in return, but that so God can be glorified on that day. We don't jump into foster care or adoption in hopes that one day when that child grows up, he's gonna turn around and hand us the keys to a brand new Ferrari. We don't don't do that. 
as nice as that would be, we do it because this God that we claim, this Jesus who we say saved us, tells us to go and do this. We see throughout scripture this call. And right here in this, he says, this is, this is the way this is phrased up and the grammar of this is that this is, this is how our lives should look in that we care for the helpless. We care for the hopeless. And we deliver hope upon hope in the form of Jesus. And we see this verse specifically. What we like to do is look at this and we say, uh-oh, so, so to be pleasing to God, I need to visit orphans, I need to visit widows, um, in their affliction, I don't know an orphan that's not afflicted, by the way. And we're to pursue personal holiness. Keep oneself unstained from the world. What we, what we really like to do is, yeah, 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 I'm called to pursue holiness. I'm called to do that, so I'm going to highlight that. But this visiting orphans and widows thing, that's not for me. I'm going to highlight that with my black sharpie. Or with my scissors. I'm going to chop it right out of the word. In fact, I'm going to go back through the other 40 plus spots in the word where it tells us, defend the cause of the fatherless and the, and the widowed. I'm going to cut that out too because that interferes with my lazy boy time. That makes me uncomfortable. That's not something I'm called to. Wow. When I look at that, it doesn't say... Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Those who are called, go visit the orphans and the widows. Those who are called. No, that's not in there. Orphans and widows, it's all of us. That doesn't mean that we're all called to open up our homes and foster care or adoption. In fact, let me tell you, I know a lot of people who should not open their homes, Alan, to foster care and adoption. Okay, let's be real. We're family now. We can be real about this. I know a lot of people that should never foster or adopt. But I know those people who are Christians who can do something to support those who are fostering or adopting. And you see something I want to connect for you is this. Caring for those orphans and those widows and their affliction is caring for the families that are doing it too. Maybe you can take them a meal. Maybe you can mow their yard. Maybe you can buy them school supplies. Maybe you can buy them Christmas presents. But it's caring for them. Maybe you can pray for them. Maybe you can be on constant prayer watch for them and with them. Maybe it also is caring for the biological families of these vulnerable children who are in foster care. And you might be thinking, well, they're the ones that messed up. Go back to the mirror for a moment. How many times have you messed up? Yet God fights for us. Are you fighting for them? There's a ministry that Alan will tell you more about in the weeks to come that can be so fruitful right here in Limestone County. That is fighting for moms and dads who are seeking restoration of their family to come back home. And let me tell you, that's a hole that society has not just failed to plug, but a hole that society has ripped farther apart. 
neglecting the moms and dads who have made a mistake. Maybe they've made a series of mistakes that led to their kids being evacuated from their care and are now in the care of a great and loving family. But you know what? That mom and dad are fighting for their kids now. We are called to be ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of how a family or a person looks, smells, talks, walks, or does. We're called to be ambassadors of reconciliation for Jesus. We are, we are called to be doers of the word. And that doer is to, to, to take our religion before God our Father and is to care for those who cannot care for themselves. It's to reach out to the orphan. It's to reach out to the widow. It's to care for all of life and not just pre-birth life. Life does not begin simply at conception and end at birth. It carries all the way through. So church, what's the Lord calling you to do? We know that he's not calling you to be a deceiver or to be deceived. He's calling you to be a doer. Those are the only two camps in which we can reside according to the word of God. We can be a doer, we can be a deceiver. We can be on the path that is narrow that leads to everlasting life or we can be on the path that is wide that leads to destruction. There's no middle path. That narrow path is full of hurdles, bumps, spikes, things being hurled at us, insults. It's full of broken relationships because of the gospel of Jesus. But in the end, Christ is our treasure. We're called to make disciples. And let me tell you, the best way we can make disciples is right here in our own home and in our own community. We can care for these kids that are here. We can care for the families that are here. We can care for the 153 million orphaned or vulnerable children globally. And we can care for the 115 locally. Being a doer, not a deceiver. We need to cherish God's word. We need to receive God's word. We need to obey God's word. And in doing so, we bring glory to the Lord. The gospel is about reconciliation. Just as we have in this room, those of us that are, are Christians, we have been reconciled to the Father from a broken relationship through Jesus Christ and through Christ alone, we have been restored to the original state that God had, had in the garden. We can be the catalyst to take that gospel to those that have been broken, that are broken. We can, we can do that, but I wanna tell you today, maybe you're broken. Maybe you are without Christ today. Today is that day that you can say, I, I have messed up. I have been apart from him. I have, I have neglected him. I have been anti him. But Jesus makes a way today for you, just as he's made a way today for me, just as he's made a way for your pastor, for your staff members. The gospel is reconciliation. Therefore, Christians, are we fighting for reconciliation for those around us?
Are we fighting to, to make disciples in our community and in our homes? Or are we simply comfortable with the status quo that society has given us? Which is focus on number one. Just focus on yourself. The word says focus on others. Focus on Christ, focus on others, then focus on self. So, big idea today. Are you a doer or are you a deceiver? Remember this, the deceiver comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the believer comes to give, breathe life, and build up. Which camp are you bearing fruit for today? The deceiver disobeys. The believer in Christ does what he or she is called. Are you, called you are called to cherish the word, receive the word, to do the word. How does that look for you and your family? I can't answer that, but the Lord can, the Lord does, the Lord has, and the Lord will. And it's going to look different for you than how it does for me. Adoption and foster care is spiritual warfare. It's ugly, it's filthy, it's exhausting. It makes you question so many things in life, including at times questioning the Lord. But oh, the treasure that lies at the other side. How are you called to do the word today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for this time that we have had together today. Oh God, you are full of grace, full of mercy, full of truth, full of life, full of love. Oh Lord, I pray today that we here would respond in a way, God, that, that maybe we never anticipated. That maybe your word today has stirred up the hearts of families to care for the vulnerable and whatever that may be, however that may look. It may be opening the home to the ultimate level of discomfort for foster care or adoption. It may be supporting those who are involved in it, God. It may be, it may be going and running to that, that mama who had an abortion Maybe going and running to that family who is, is currently displaced. Their kids are in one place, mom and dad are another, but mom and dad are fighting for their kids. And may we run alongside them and fight with them, knowing that that is in obedience to your word. God, I pray that this body right here right now is a catalyst for the gospel to go forth in Limestone County and in Alabama and in America and to the world. I pray that it starts here. I pray that this church would be a catalyst to, to close and, and, and just throw away the gap that exists between kids and number of kids in care and number of licensed homes. So much so that other counties would call on Limestone County, would call on Lindsay Lane North and say, can we bring kids to you? And this church would answer with a resounding yes, because we get to make an army of soldiers in the army of God. Lord, we love you and praise you for you have fearfully and wonderfully made all of us. You have called us to action and may we obey in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. If you would remain with your heads and hearts bowed. What Tim has issued is a call to Christian action. For the church, for you, for your family. But here's what I know. Christian action is born out of a relationship. A real right relationship with Christ. So if you're here and you don't have that relationship with Christ, secure, maybe you've made a decision or checked a box or walked a aisle or whatever the case may be, but you have never surrendered your life to Christ and entered into a right relationship with him, I would beg you, I would entreat you to please today make that the day. Make today the day of salvation for you so that God can use you for his kingdom glory. He desires you in the same way that we're not just advocating for children, we're, not just, we're advocating for all. He wants you. So would you respond to that invitation today, entering into a relationship with Christ? In just a moment when I say amen, you'll have the opportunity to come, walk the aisle. Y'all, there's one aisle in this church, all right? It's a center one. You can find that center aisle. Come and find me here at the front. I would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Christ would call you to that response, but I would also call you to prayerfully consider the role that God has called you to play in all that you have heard these last three weeks. Through this series, what is God calling you to do? Maybe it's something that you need to do as a family. Man, this altar is open. Maybe you pray about what it is that God has called you to do as a family or an individual because I'm certainly praying about what God has called us to do as a church. We just pray that this time, this time of response would be responding to the goodness, the grace of God, and would be a time for his church to get on board. The great tenets of the activity of God is that God is moving. God is always moving. May we look to join him in his activity and where he's moving and be a part of that movement. So we just pray that you would respond in whatever way you feel led to today. You feel the Lord leading you to to respond. Father, we give you this time of invitation. May we respond in obedience. And God, may you move in our hearts and our lives as we talk through what it looks like, think through, prayerfully, God, what it looks like to be in obedience to you. Lord, we love you. We give you this time. Holy Spirit, may you have free reign in this place. Bind where the enemy would to distract us or to bring our thoughts to something other than this, than doing business with you. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? Would you come? Whatever response, we pray that you would respond as the Spirit leads in this moment.